in the first verse. 14, John 14, 1. Glory, hallelujah. John starts out in the chapter and he writes, he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way that I'm going. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord, huh? Hallelujah. My question to you this morning is, are you home? Are you home? I asked my daughter that yesterday when we were kind of kicking this message around. I was kind of in a smog. You know how you get sometimes when you're before the Lord, you're trying to get your brain together on something. And Anyway, I said, are you home? She said, well, no, I'm not home. Thinking, of course, going home here where it says, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So where our home is in heaven, so we're sojourners here, but yet, so the answer to that question was, well, okay, I'm not home. Yeah? Okay. All right. Well, th th this is true. Jesus, Jesus said, I do go to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come get you. However, however, let me find page one, okay? <laughs> I told Glenn, I said, five o'clock this morning, the Lord started talking to me, and he wouldn't shut up. So, uh, Hopefully you won't have to endure through all this that he's told me. Okay. But anyway, home, a home. What habitation? We have a home. What is our home? Are we comfortable at our home? Or are we, what do we got there going on there? Reverb? Got that? Okay. Are, we, are you comfortable at your home? When you go home, are you, is it a place of tension? Or do you, do you, can you relax? Do you have a favorite chair? Huh? Do you kind of kick up? You relax when you're home. You're comfortable in your house, right? You don't have to put in any ears. Nobody's watching. You can be yourself. Huh? <laughs> but it's a place of habitation, a place of rest. But a house is not always a home, is it? A house is not always a home. What makes a house a home? Well, you know, <laughs> we always... Ellen and I, we always laugh because we, when we really, when we want to get that house cleaned up, we invite somebody over. Uh, I, I think you all probably know where, we, where we're coming from. When you want, when you, when you really comes down and you've uh, got to clean the house, you invite somebody over. Forced to deal with it. You know, even in, when we have a bunch of people over at our house, even after, my wife always says, oh, I, it's, it's so nice when, it, when it's all over, but the house is so clean. You see, you can straighten up from everybody being there, but the house is clean because, you see, you go into the little corners, don't you? You go into the corners and the cracks, and you sweep out that dust that's down there by the, you know, right there at the baseboard that you've been walking by forever and looked at and said, I really need to do something with that. So you finally take care of that. So the house is clean and all ready because you, you invited somebody over. It's really taken, you've really taken over. But the house, the house is not necessarily a home. It's not a home until someone abides there. 
Now, you know, we're all, we're all well and good about having people over to our house as long as what? They call first, right? They call first. You know, years ago, I remember as a, as a, as a growing up in my childhood, we would go visit people. We'd, there was no telephone call. In fact, some of the people we visited didn't have a phone. Nobody had cell phones, electronics. You know, you had to dial them up. And if you had one phone, it might be one phone in the house if you had a phone. So a lot of people we would visit, we would just drop in. If they were there, we dropped in and we saw them. Most people were always glad to see you. They didn't, they didn't make you wait out on the step until they cleaned the house up. <laughs> now, if somebody comes to your house with a couple tickets to a show and wants to give you those tickets and then ask you what's in your refrigerator, you know, they're not there to see you and have fellowship with you. If they're going to send you away and they're going to kick you, their feet up, in your house. You, f you follow what I'm saying? They're not there to see that house, to have fellowship. They're there to have fellowship with you. Second Corinthians 5, 6 says, So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. We say, well, we're absent with the Lord as long as we live in the body. But, but whose home is it? Mm -hmm. Yes. See, we forget who we are. We forget and we think that we want to take, where is it that we give our life to God and then we take it all back? And we take control of it. John, in this chapter of John, as he goes down here in the, in the, uh, in the 23rd uh, verse, he, Jesus says, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. He tabernacles with us. He comes in and makes his home with us. So Jesus, so when we think of fellowship, always we think of fellowship. What do we have to offer to those who are out in the world? We have Jesus to offer. It is our home. It's not our home. It's his home. Our home, it says, Jesus says, I've prepared a place for you, and I will come and get you. We know that this flesh and blood is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But yet God abides in this home. He abides here. 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19 says, uh, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, uh, which, of, uh, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not, what? Your own. Do I, you know, we don't give up easy. Do you give up easy? I don't give up easy. I don't give up easy, so I've got a spirit in me, a spirit of grace, and a spirit of the Word which speaks to me and reveals to me God's will and leads me gently to that surrendering point. You've heard before that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, right? The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. It says a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. God's not here to offend us. Now, if our brother and sister tells us that I think you should do this or that, you know, nothing, I may know what I need to do, but if my wife gets in my face about telling me what I need to do, suddenly it makes it very hard for me to do it. <laughs> Is it true? It's true. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is different. 
Why is the Holy Spirit different? Because the Holy Spirit enables us. People, God leads and guides us in all righteousness. The home, Jesus, abides in us. And anything we go to do, no matter where we go, when we say, and I, before, not too long ago I ministered that, we were quick to say, well, God, not my will, but your will be done. But yet, we want to hang on to our will. If it's God's will, then we need to allow, if it's God's will, He's fully capable and able then to perform that in us, which He's trying to do, isn't He? And also to do that which He sends us to do. God is able to do it. Will we trust and lean on Him to do that? You know, when Peter and those guys came out of that upper room, when Jesus told him, He said, you know, right in that chapter as you read down, uh, he speaks about the Holy Spirit and giving the Holy Spirit. And he says, when that Spirit comes, he says, he, now you know the Spirit. <laughs> you know, what's really interesting is because we've got a couple of the apostles here that speak. And uh, Thomas is one here in the fifth uh, verse. And he says, he says Lord, uh, no. He, he says, no, we don't know, Lord. Now, can you, I can just hear Thomas, the exclamation point on this, when Jesus says, the way you know. And Thomas says, oh, no, we don't know. We don't know. We have no idea where you are going. And Jesus told him, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had, if you had really known me, and when I read this, and I wonder what Thomas thought when he said that, if he said, if you had really known me, well, there lies the, lies the problem. The beginning of the chapter says, let not your heart. You know, we have to let. We have to let. We have to let God do something in our life, don't we? We have to allow Him to operate in us. We have to allow Him to transform us. We can't just say, well, that's a good idea, God. And I read that, I think I'll do that. You're not going to do it. You can't do it. It's God living in you that will perform it until you let Him do it. That's why we get all, we get all disturbed and upset when God, when we get convicted over the Word and we say, oh my God, how am I going to do that? You know, that's not me. I don't do that, God. But God does. Let. Let. So he, he tells that, he says, I'm the way, the truth. If you would have really known me, you would know who the Father is. From now on, you do know him that have sent me. And Philip, then Philip chimes in. Philip chimes in and says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. After he just spoke to that, he says, Philip, just right off. He says, you know, I don't want any mistake here. I want to really get this right. Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And of course, Jesus said, Philip, if you've seen the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So why do you ask me this? Why do you ask me this? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And in the 2030, he says, myself and the Father, we will come and make our home with you. Although Jesus said in that 23rd verse, he says, all who love me, will do what I say. Is that, does that catch you? <laughs> when I read that, I say, Lord, do I love you? All who love me. 
in this chapter, he speaks about one thing, about how you'll recognize the love. He says, one is those who seek me, those who are looking for me. When I read that, those who look for me, those who look for me, I thought of that line, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Forrest Gump, where he's, he's, he's talking with uh, his lieutenant Dan and they're in their city, and, and he was all upset because the VA, everybody's talking about Jesus, Jesus, and come to Jesus, and they're all in a drinking fest in there, the one guy is, and he says to uh, Forrest, he says, Forrest, have you found Jesus yet? And Forrest said, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. <laughs> and that is, that is what, who, what we are about, this home is about. We're supposed to let people know. How will they know unless they hear? How will they hear unless they be sent, right? They have to hear. We have to let the world know that they need to be looking for Jesus. How long did it take you to find Jesus when you started looking? I can tell you it didn't take long at all for me. Just like that. That's right. Just like that. When I heard, when I was ministered to, when the seed was planted, when it was watered, and finally I said, Lord, if you're real, I want to know you. If you're real, reveal yourself. Can you imagine leaving an opening to God like that? He, did, he wasn't busy because he showed up right then. And he's been with me ever since. So those who are looking for him. Ephesians 2.20 says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. Together. Now, Jesus makes this statement individually up here, where we just read, to where he says, We will come and make our home with each one of you. Here in Ephesians, he says, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Together. Why are we together? Why does God make us together? Why does he give different gifts into the body of Christ? Because, because of who we are. I don't know how else to say that. Because of my personality, because of your personality, because how God works with you. God will tell you something that will benefit me, and God will tell, use me to benefit someone else in another way. Different gifts and different personalities. Pastor Nick's been preaching on the four foundations, the foundations of faith. What we find in there, we find provoking is one in there, how to provoke, how to encourage and provoke. It's a foundation, something that God gives each and every one of us. So, so we're, we're talking about this house or this home. So what is this home supposed to look like? How's this home supposed to look? <laughs> you know, it's all right when somebody comes and visits us uh, because they're there to fellowship with us that we just have a path through the house. That's, <laughs> that's all right. Uh, but nevertheless, we should do our best to have all the corners clean, right? I, I tell my wife, you know, gee, can we ever get to the point to where our house will be, I'm not talking about a paper loose here and there, but we'll be to the point to where if anybody drops by, we don't have to go, oh my God, <laughs> or can just open the door, you know? And why do we do that, you know? 
First Thess Thessalonians 4, 4 says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust and the conspicuous, how do you pronounce that? Even as the Gentiles, which know not God. We should know how to possess this vessel, our home. We should keep the corners clean. We should be in a position, as the Word says, we should be instant in season and out of season. We, we might have our mind on other things. Other things might be uh, uh, prevalent in our lives at that moment. But nevertheless, when God opens the door, when the moment arises, we can be instant because of who abides in our house. Because after all, what do we have to offer? But we got Jesus, don't we? We got the Holy Spirit. We got Jesus abiding in us. He's the one that they've come to have fellowship with. I was in, uh, I hadn't been here to the uh, prayer services. We'd missed a few. When I came, uh, on Wednesday, I was uh, I was prayed for. <laughs> Can you imagine that, huh? First of all, it was very evident at the power and the authority of the people around me, using the Spirit of the Lord and the gifts that they'd given them, and the boldness of their faith. God is working mightily. So if we realize that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and He lives in us, that He lives in you and was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself, for God did what? He bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. We've been bought and paid for, folks. We have been redeemed. He bought it with a high price, the blood of Jesus. And we should be able to honor God with our bodies. Now, you know, too often, we as Christians, and if you're mature in the Word or know the Word, you should recognize it, although we recognize the frailness or the weakness of the flesh. But we should, we should recognize that... Uh, you know, we're not always, are we? We're not always going to be, maybe I should rephrase that, we're never going to be 100% in our flesh or in our body. Never. But God makes a way. God makes a way. And as the beginning of this uh, chapter here in John says, let, let, let God. Psalm 68 says, Let God arise, and let His enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate Him flee before Him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away, as wax melteth before the fire. So let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Psalm 68 says, Let God arise. You know, not a... Quite a few years ago, um, Marcia Denmark ministered a service once, a message on that particular scripture, and I've never forgot it. 
and, and ever since then, I've always added a few words to the beginning of that verse. Let go and let God arise. You know, if we're going to let God do anything in our lives, we first have to surrender. We have to let go. We've got to let go of our agenda and our purposes and our will. We have to let go to let God arise. Uh, some of you were at uh, uh, our sister's funeral, Helen, here uh, last two months ago. It hasn't been too long. Time gets away. But I, I, I told her the testimony that when my wife and I were in the hospital with her before she passed away, a couple of days before she passed away, she was resting easy and her son was in there and uh, I believe her niece or daughter, somebody, I don't know who. But anyway, um, Helen was, she was out of it. She was sedated and uh, the son was waking her up and I says, oh, let her rest. He, he insisted that he wake her up. It was of the Lord, praise God. Thank God that he woke her up. And Helen, when she, she, she kind of she turned her head and she, have you ever seen Helen give you that little crooked smile, you know, and kind of crack one eye? That's what, that's what she did. And I expected to, you know, I expected someone who was not at home, right? Lights are on, nobody's home. Well, she opened that, it was her left eye, she opened it up and it was just as bright, as clear as it could be. There was nothing foggy about it. And she looked at me and she smiled. And I said, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. Because Helen was in a place. She didn't have an agenda. She had no plans to go home and cook dinner. She had nothing to do thinking about remodeling her house or doing anything else. She was with Jesus and ready for Jesus to take her home. clear and bright, and I saw Jesus. And I thought, well, how, what do we see Jesus? And that brings us back to where John, uh, or, uh, Peter and John, when they were walking, when they came out, that upper room, they'd been filled with the Spirit. Peter preached that message, and then, and then the, he came, they were coming out, out to going to uh, the temple one day, and they came across the man laying lame at the, at the gate, right? He'd laid there for I don't know how many years. That man had been there lame. And what happened? When he came, he expected, it said he expected to maybe receive money from them. He was, he was begging alms. But when Peter and John looked upon him, they, Peter said, look on us. Look on us. And when he looked on them as expecting to receive maybe money, Peter said those words, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. And then what did he do? He reached out, picked him up, lifted him up, and he said he was strengthened, and he, st he started jumping around. He started walking. He wasn't lame anymore. He was, he was healed. But Peter said what? Look on us. Look on us. Who should they see when they look on us? That lame man didn't look up and see Peter. That lame man looked up and saw Jesus. And Peter gave testimony to it later when he was asked. He says, why do you think that it's us that 
you know, healed this man by our power, but it was Jesus. Jesus in us. We have Jesus speaking specifically to us and telling us that we, the Father and me, make our home. Now, the Spirit is with you now in this chapter, he's telling his disciples, but I'm going to go away. And he not only will be, he's not going to be with you, he's going to be in you. He's going to be in you. So we should be able to look upon those who are uh, in trouble, destitute, no matter what the situation might be, and we should be able to say, we should be able to know that we have Jesus in us, and what we give is, as Peter said, not silver and gold, but such as I have I give unto you. What, what are we giving? <laughs> we're, we're giving... We're giving the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We're giving the creator of heaven and earth. We're giving the redeemer. We're giving the one that sets the captives free. We're giving the healer. We're giving the peace that passes all understanding. We're giving the answer to every question, every need, every possibility and every problem in the, in the entire world. In anybody's life, there is nothing too great for Jesus Christ, is there? Is there any name above that? This is what we have in us. This is who we are. It's interesting because Jesus says, Well, I'm going to make my abode with you. Me and the Father, we're going to make our abode with you. For what purpose? You're going to be a vessel. You're going to be surrendered vessel to me to do what? Not to do your will, but to do my will. To do my will. So that puts everything, everything from the moment we get up in the morning to the time we lay our heads on the bed at night, that puts everything in the prospect of the will of God in the ordained purpose that He has put forth to perform through you in your life, in your sphere of influence. I don't know about you, but... That was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. So what do you mean everything? Well, where do I come in? You don't come in. Where do I come in? I like that. Where do I come in? When do I get to do my thing? Scripture says it's a good thing that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. It's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. Does God want you to be uh, prosper and be in good health? Does God want you to be cheerful? Yes, because you're not going to win a lot of people to Christ by groaning and complaining and not offering anything that's the fruits of the Spirit. So what's the house look like? The house is supposed to look like when you come into that house, when you come into fellowship, when we fellowship with one another, the house should look like the very fruits of the Holy Spirit. It should be, the house should be clean. It should be refreshed. It should uh, present the joy and the peace and the long-suffering and all the works of the Holy Spirit. It should visualize Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, if, listen you guys, if you, you, how can you ask to see the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, when they see you, just like I said, when I looked 
to, in the hell, that eye of Helen's and she gave me that look. I saw Jesus. I see Jesus. I see Jesus is sitting in here. <laughs> if I could say that. First Corinthians 3.10 says, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation. This is Paul. This is what Paul says about who he was. He makes this statement. He says, this is who I am. This is what I've done. He says, because of God's grace to me. Now, we have to all understand that it's because of God's grace to us that He has saved us and filled us with the Spirit and, makes, and, and abides with us. And his, and his grace is always there. He, he overlooks our problems, and all we have to do is Allow, come boldly before that throne of grace. So Paul says, because of his grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. No others are building on it, but whosoever is building on this foundation must very carefully be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than we already have Jesus Christ. Now, you all know what a foundation is, right? You know what a foundation, that's the, that's the bottom, that's the foundation of the building. You don't, if you want a strong building, you've got to have a strong foundation, right? There's, I think about on the uh, Truth Project where uh, Robbie Zachariah tells that story about uh, where he had went and a guy wanted to show him this Wexford Center of Art or whatever. And, in, and he, uh, Robbie says, uh, well, there were these, these stairways going everywhere and these doorways that led nowhere and it was this and that and there was no order to any of it. And the guy said, well, he said, it's, it's the first postmodern building in America, the very first one. And, and the architect said, if life has no meaning, why should our, why should our buildings have any meaning? And, and Ravi Zachariah asked the question, he says, uh, that's good, but I just have one question for it. Did he build the foundation that way? See, you can't, if you build the foundation that way, the walls aren't going to stand. It's going to crumble. It's going to crumble. So Paul says, he says, uh, uh, you can't build, you've got to be careful how you build on this. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use varying materials, gold, silver, jewels, wayhead, stubble. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal each, what each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder receives a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Now, I don't, I don't want to cut it that close, do you? <laughs> I don't want to cut it that close. Pastor Nick said something that really stuck with me here last week when he, when he talked about uh, the fellowship of faith. And he, he, he said uh, on these uh, fellowships, he says, uh, fellowshipping together is the body of Christ. He says, faith will not survive outside of fellowship. And, I, you know, I thought about that. I thought, well, faith will not. Obviously, faith, I mean, we, we have to have fellowship with God, right? But is God, is that the, is that the only Fellowship, when he's talking about fellowship with the body, considering the gifts to the body and how Christ has called these gifts for us to come into the unity of faith, we, we have to have the unity of the body together to be able to um, tap in to the gifts 
that He's given so that we can mature in faith. Uh, let me say that another way here. If you ever heard somebody says, well, yeah, I'm saved, but I don't need to go to church. Right? I don't need to go to church. And, of course, they say church. They mention church because they, they put church there, and, and the definition of church is institution. You know, blah, 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 blah. You know, and they can go on and on. But they never realize the gifts of the Spirit that works that God has called to work in the body of believers to bring us into the unity of faith. Is surviving, he makes this other statement, Nick did the other, says, is surviving the mountain-moving faith you need? See, see, we could sit in our house. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not one to procrastinate. <laughs> Make my names by that definition of that word. I don't know. But, uh, but anyway, is surviving the mountain-moving faith you need? It's all well. You know, I, can get, I can get comfortable. I can get very comfortable with I, I don't need any help to get comfortable. I, I can watch the sun come up and watch it go down. But is surviving the mountain-moving faith you need? Am I saved? I, I have confidence in Jesus Christ. I love Him. I know He loves me and He's with me. He never leaves and forsakes me. But when it comes that time, when it comes that time, as Peter walked down there and reached out his hand and said, Look on me. When I say, look on me, I need him to see something else besides Andy Mayberry or something I can watch on television. You understand what I'm saying? We need, them, we need to know, as they witnessed with them, the, the religious sect and those that were questioning Peter and them at the day, they said they reasoned that he, they had been with Jesus. They knew that he'd been with Jesus. Why did they know that? Because they saw Jesus in there. So we've got to let go. We've got to let go of self, and we've got to let God arise. It's you know it's hard when, and I don't know why we do this. I don't know why sometimes we're not bold enough to let people know that when we minister Christ, that it is about dying to self. You know, we we try to want to make it pretty, and you know, to the. I don't know what we try to do. We try to get in God's business is what we try to do. That's basically what it is, and we, and we end up following the whole thing up, let God do the work. But um, the world doesn't like to hear that. The world doesn't like to hear that, you know, you've got to stop doing what you're doing or, or let God control. We think of God control as being totally opposite of what I want to do. It is. <laughs> but, you know, when God takes care of that, it's not. Amen? You follow what I'm saying? When God works you into that, it's not. Here a little bit, there a little. God, God changes, you know, every line of the word, and as the years go by, and the things that He reveals to us, to where pretty soon we are meet for the table of God. We're, we're there. So, what does the house look like? There was a king, and you know the story where. Uh, Jesus is talking to the people. He says, for I was hungry and you didn't feed me. He says, I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick 
and in prison and you didn't visit me. And of course the world replies, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or strange or naked and didn't help you? And he answered, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, who? My brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. It all has to do with the relationship. It all has to do with knowing that Christ dwells in us. There's a scripture that says, unless, uh, this is Psalms 127, uh, 1, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, what? Those who build it labor in vain. So in all our effort, in all our trying, as hard as we may try, as much as we might pray, as much as we go out there and say, I got it. I got it now. I'm going to do it now. We fail. It says we labor. We labor in vain. What is that? Have you ever labored in vain? Have you ever done something and labored in vain? Maybe built it and not read the directions. Huh? Only to find out when you got to the last stage that that second part should have went on first. You can't get there from here. You know, you labor in vain. In other words, there's no fruit. There's no harvest to your labor. Well, I'm out there just working for the Lord. I'm just, I'm going here and I'm going there and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But where is the fruit of the labor? Is there fruit? If there's not fruit of the labor then something's wrong. Unless the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain, because there is no fruit. And people, we're about fruit. We're about seeing God, His house, this vessel being a willing vessel, all of us together, manifesting, through what God gives us to do, and fruit coming from it. That's what we're about. That's what He's called us to be about. <laughs> Sometimes we have to call Jesus out of the back room when people come in, don't we? People come over to stay. We've got Him locked up in the back closet somewhere. So we have to call Him out. So, oh yeah, Jesus, I need to get Jesus out here. I think this is a time for Jesus. Now, you may think that because we, we go a lot of times to things because we got it all under control. The little stuff we think we got. I got it. Oh, I know how this rolls. I know how you're going to roll in this, God, so chill out. I got it. Unless the Lord build the house, we labor in vain. Let's everybody stand. <clears throat> so this morning... This morning I want to particularly bring to mind what Pastor Nick talked about, the fellowship of the body. And that our faith is built and substantiated by that. And the home that we, we're not home, we don't have no continuing city here. But Jesus' home is us. That's what he said. We think of him, well, he's at the right, oh, Jesus is the right hand of the Father. Yeah, he says, Jesus said, 
I'm with you. I make my home with you. We say at times Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus said it is finished. It's not finished. The, the price that was paid, it, that's done. That's finished. But God's not come back yet. He's not told us that, hey, it's done. Go home and that's it. Kick your feet back up and you guys have a good time and we'll just call this the, uh, the circle church or whatever. <laughs> you know. and, I, and I make my rounds to all you different organizations. No, it's not over yet. The Word of God says that we are to work while it's light. And we each have, we all have a purpose. And it's not over until, it's not over for me until I get called home. And it's the same as for you. It's not over until you get called home. I know I don't want to be the one who slips through that wall of fire only to find out that I have laid on that foundation, that cornerstone, a bunch of garbage. And the only way I can be assured of that is let him do it. By the way, if you don't know me, I'm all about letting somebody do it. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is right by me there. I'm all about letting him do it. Do I have to go? I have to go. I have to go. I have to be a willing vessel. I have to let. I have to let go and let him arise. But I can be assured, as you can be assured, just like he is found by those who seek him, that he will perform every good work in you for every purpose he sends you to. Amen. And it will not be in vain. And it will not come back without fruit. That's his promise. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are your bride, your body. Lord, we thank you so much, so much that we do not go in our power. We cannot make one hair white or black. We cannot make or accomplish anything. It is only by your Spirit, Lord, and that which we build is the labor in vain. But that which you work in us, Lord, is to the glory of the kingdom of God. And Lord, it brings forth much fruit. It sets the captives free. It heals those who are sick and infirmed. And Lord, we just thank you for your promise. Lord, let us all receive that today in the name of Jesus. Let, it keep us, keep it, let us keep it in our heart, Lord, and remember it always that it's not in our power or our authority, but yours that you have given us. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for the day prosperous as we go forth, Lord. Lord, give us strength. Let us see your direction, Lord. Let us know what you want done. And Father, let us act upon it. And we give you all praise and honor and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God.